Namaskar to one and all. Welcome to this Mahabharata conversation on uh, Indic Academy. Uh, today, my host is um, Jijit Ravi and he's uh, quite well known. Um, in the past, he was a scientist at ISRO and uh, you know he's currently an IT professional, but more importantly, he's well known as a person um, who's uh, done a lot of studies in the Indic civilizational uh, space and in particular on Mahabharata. And you know, it's, it's an honor to have uh, Jijit uh, on this uh, you know, conversation. Welcome Jijit, Namaste. Yeah, Namaste. And um, my name is uh, uh, Shiv Kumar and I write on Mahabharata on uh, Indic today. Uh, I hope uh, a lot of you are uh, reading that. And today uh, we will discuss about Mahabharata. And it is quite, um, you know, it is unlikely that anybody in India has not heard of uh, Mahabharata. And it has fascinated different people in different ways over the over many millennia. And, you know, uh, some of us may be writing, but we are part of this large Indic civilization where different people are enthused about Mahabharata in different ways. Uh, so, Jajit, I would like to begin the conversation by uh, requesting you to narrate your own beginnings of the study of Mahabharata, which is quite deep and I've seen it on your uh, website. And, uh, you know, what fascinated you and, uh, you know, what are those elements of Mahabharata that struck you, you know, and uh, of course, you know, they are of importance to the uh, rest of the country as well, because of the depth of studies that you have done. So I would like to hear that from you. Yeah, uh, thanks, uh, Shigma, for the uh, introduction. And yeah, as I said, uh, uh, I have uh, like started uh, reading Mahabharata somewhere around uh, uh, 10, 10, 15 years, uh, like, but initially uh, my interest was in the, the painting of the characters. Uh, so I have uh, some artistic skills. So I start uh, painting the, uh, or sketching the image of Krishna or uh, the Pandavas. So that is uh, one of the interest I had. And uh, there was not much uh, in our school syllabus about Mahabharata Dhamman except the name. Uh, but what uh, what has sh uh, shifted uh, me into a different track uh, was uh, most most uh, possibly the the Marchitragata series of uh, Pai. So he he has saved me. Uh, I would say that uh, he has just Absolutely. taken me out of the the, the normal schooling and uh, exposed to this uh, um, this um, the entire uh, folk uh, this uh, lore. Uh, and uh, of the Itihasas. So uh, I have, with uh, great interest, I was uh, reading all the, um, the Amarchitragata series from start to beginning. And uh, same, uh, that he has uh, started the Ramayana series and I have uh, uh, read it. It was actually uh, some, uh, one of my cousin's uh, collection I started reading, who is elder to me. Uh, but I was completely into the uh, that uh, reading that even reducing the, uh, the time I spent for playing uh, with other children. So that was the starting point. And then 
it, it was like a mix of both like uh, painting of it and then i started seeing a map of uh, uh, like uh, like the details of the the pandavas so there was a map in the amar chitragada and this is also st uh, started my entire uh, academic career in uh, doing the geographical analysis research in in mahabharata i myself created so some of the the two maps so most fascinating part of your website are those yeah, maps actually which i have used a lot in uh, my own narration of stories to people yeah yes so uh, 2004 uh, i have created and then 2008 i have created uh, two maps uh, and my knowledge uh, beyond, i have gone beyond that but these two maps because become uh, like it uh, gone to many uh, almost i have traced around uh, 522 websites uh, hosting the same maps including wikipedia and my own site ancient voice around 522 sites on sanskriti uh, they are actually hosting this map i have created in 2004 and 2008 so that way, and then slowly I started uh, going deeper. Mahabharata, Amar Chitragada gave me a base. Then I started reading the the abridged uh, versions in Rama, in Malayalam, and then finally in my uh, plus two, uh, that is the that time which was called pre degree. Yeah, I was have, I was first seen the entire Mahabharata. Uh, so I, then it's I understand that there is a volume of it, like around 15 20 volumes of. Uh, uh, Mahabharata English translation. I have uh, first read it. It was by M. N. Dutt uh, that uh, volumes uh, were there preserved in the college library. So there also I have once I started this reading this, um, I spend less time with my friends. Most of the time as I was completely sleeping on this uh, Mahabharata, <laughs> uh, like that I would say I would say. And then uh, again um, because uh, I was also having great interest in science. So this is another area where, so it's like a dual interest. One is in Mahabharata and Itihasa, that is into the past, and another is the future. So as a career-wise, because Mahabharata doesn't gives me any, any particular career. So career-wise, I was interested in going into space technologies. So becoming a scientist was one of my interests, and I, I always tell to my uh, parents that I will be in ISRO, I want to be there, I want to be in NASA and all this thing. <laughs> so finally, the career took me there. Uh, like uh, I got uh, through some interview when I was working in IT. Like you, I was uh, actually working in IT from 2000 onwards, year 2000 onwards. So after one and a half years, I, I was uh, got an interview into ISRO and then they have taken my IT expertise basically. I was uh, creating software for uh, but you're also in the space um, of Mahabharata. Yeah. You know, while you're interested in space technology, you're also interested in the space yeah. of Mahabharata. Yeah, the, it's like uh, one, uh, one eye looking at the past, another into the future. Okay. So, in particular, I'm very interested to know what struck you because, you know, mm -hmm. in, in the end, you know, everybody begins the journey, but you have, you have taken your journey into mm -hmm. uh, uh, a great depths, uh, not just in mm -hmm. Mahabharata, but in other areas also, but in mm -hmm. particular on Mahabharata. So mm -hmm. I want to understand what struck you and what ah, were okay. those sparks in you that yeah, yeah. Uh, took you very deep into that. Maybe uh, because see, people can read Mahabharata in a different uh, mindset. So many of the people read it like a, uh, basically a, from the religious point of view. That it is a we should uh, this is a granth uh, it's a sacred text that is one point of view uh, so I definitely have because uh, I'm a ardent devotee of Krishna so I have that 
traditional point of view also but i have some other multiple dimensions of looking at mahabharat uh, from the point of view of art and because uh, i have the scientific uh, as a mindset of a scientist so that is the reason why i'm going little bit deeper uh, so when i look at it i you look at it in three ways one is the devotional way and another is uh, as a, as art so vyasa's descriptions now that is like uh, pure art actually That's if you right. look at it second third way is uh, maybe i think that is got got popular and many people think me in that way is uh, that i look at it from the point of view of whether it is possible this is possible this is possible or not that kind of uh, thought process and again uh, like um, as i said like when i was in isro again i was pushed uh, not pushed but uh, actually i am again inducted into mahabharat because there i saw the research papers on saraswati river because isro was yeah. one of the primary uh, organization which was Uh, completely studied the Saraswati that entire basin, and conclusively proved that this is a river channel which can be identified with Saraswati. So any any researcher of Mahabharata actually studied uh, Isro scientist for the proper analysis of Saraswati River. So I take care of that legacy also. So again, I am in the area of space. Suddenly I am again pushed back into uh, study of Mahabharata. After reading that uh, journals, I again uh, I switched uh, because 2004 2006. Uh, uh like 2001 to 2006 i was in isro between that 4 and 2004 and 6 again i started spending my studies on mahabharat and uh, the wikipedia i contributed around 150 articles everything happened when i was in working in isro but whatever spare time i, I have after uh, working for the launch vehicle that is a gslv team i was in the gslv cryogenic team so whatever time after that i spend in uh, creating articles in wikipedia on the various kingdoms in mahabharat etc uh, so i look at it as a point of a scientist uh, that with a little more deep depth into it whether this is possible and when when i say one one person is moving from another place to another like arjuna is moving from one place to another i just look at it from the point of view of a uh, traveler uh, and whether it is really possible or not that i'll, I'll analyze so It started from a point of view of an analyst. I'll started looking at Mahabharat. So that is the third dimension. I can see that you know uh, there is a sense of voyage uh, on mm-hmm. your website too. You know I can right, right. I can see how your own uh, you know professional orientation has also uh, kind of come mm-hmm. into your Mahabharata studies. But interestingly, you know my own journey is very very different. um i came into the uh, civilizational angle of mahabharata much mm-hmm. later but for me if you have read my any of my articles on it today the greatest fascination is the metaphoric dimension of uh, mahabharata okay for me you know the 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 very first shloka narayanam namaskrityam narancaiva narottamam that is an inspiration along with it the the ganapati and vyasa conversation that story itself is a fascinating metaphor for me and i have written often about that it captures the creative very creative process of you know formation of an epic you know the, the amount of emphasis laid to on mm-hmm. the conceiver and the emphasis laid on the receiver and what is the engagement between the two you know that is the fascination for me and i began my journey with you know getting uh, enthused by the bits and pieces of stories at another time you know the shuka vyasa san shuka 
you know attaining mukti and vyasa being extremely vyakula was 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 a metaphor that i simply could not forget when i have lived with it for uh, a long time between these extremes i have the other metaphor of you know uh, uh, the raibhya and yavakrita story in mahabharata it's a small story it comes as an upakhyana and upakhyanas are not main stories and many many people do not uh, read them but that one small story is it captures the entire philosophy of purushartha sadhana in the most utmost beautiful manner so my interest started from there but i have now reached where you know you you have been doing for last 10 years because i you know thank, thanks to you know people like you who have done lot of research in the uh, civilizational studies but you know taking cue from what you said and even on your website you written about you know the bhishma parva initial parts really capturing the detail of jambudvipa mm-hmm. it's fascinating to me you know that look at the number of rivers being described over there shloka 14 onwards in the bhishma parva chapter 9 it is sharavatim payoshnicha venam bhimarathim api kaverim chulukam chapi vanim chatabalam api so you have sharavati there and you have payoshni which i think is payasmini there and just and and you know look at the bharatavarsha description that comes from this it's quite fascination it is unfortunate that many people do not know Mm-hmm. uh which is there on your uh, map and even today many people believe that the consciousness of bharatavarsha or bharata is a british contribution but i think mahabharata proves it beyond doubt that mm-hmm. bharatavarsha consciousness is a very very long one isn't it and i would like yeah. to hear your views on that yeah yes yeah actually um Uh, the i have in the in one of the latest latest talks in sangam i have mentioned about the kind of uh, like uh, topics uh, or uh, domains of interest that has been parked in the study of mahabharata and i am really happy about that and uh, like for example shivkumar you, your your kind of area of study that is very much uh, useful like look uh, like the picking up the the highly philosophical and uh, enriching uh, sub narratives in mahabharata and uh, that is one, uh, one of the uh, very very kind of uh, uh, important study that has to be uh, going in, uh, to be gone into the mahabharata like it has got if you, if you look at mahabharata uh, it has got the main trunk which is the pandava uh, the, the the life history of the five pandavas but it has got so many branches like for example if markandeya talks about uh, um, one one narrative within that narrative it, it again creates another sub branch Correct. and uh, the kind of uh, when it goes to the leaf level it's like five or six uh, sub, uh, the branching Absolutely. has already happened and uh, there is a small story in that and we will wonder why vyasa has created that story there but it has got a significance and uh, absolutely uh, you uh, like you and many i have also know many others uh, like indrajit they have uh, taking up that small small stories and then uh, uh, that uh, exp- expanding and exploring the philosophy so that is Uh, really wonderful and remarkable and so that mahabharata is so vast that uh, so many people can work together in that 
so i have uh, done a little bit of uh, that uh, another thing of uh, 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 not so popular stories uh, from mahabharat <clears throat> but my main focus uh, because of the vacuum in that area is uh, actually uh, from the point of view of uh, like maybe you can you will rightly pointed out like a traveler <laughs> like uh, i am following uh the different uh, heroes in mahabharat like arjuna so uh, how how many uh, how many places he visited uh, and uh, in which way he is traversing uh, in that particular narrative or yudhishthira or even very see nakula sadeva say that there is not much uh, disc, uh, talk, talked about uh, about nakula sadeva i have huge information i can write a novel about sadeva which we want absolutely fully agree that much information the places he went even his characteristics uh, those those things yeah, are all yeah. clearly not uh, so rightly uh, to answer the the question directly directed at me um, i have uh, in many of the all the conferences i have visited i have talked about the mahabharata consciousness and um, uh, in, in the it is like uh, in the form of uh, see for example uh, one way of looking at it because many people have narrated Uh, the expansion of uh, the mahabharata like uh, starting with jaya and then bharata and then finally mahabharata and within uh, mahabharata itself a definition is uh, uh, bharat iti mahabharat means the it is heavy heavy and hence it is called mahabharata but uh, uh, if you look at deeply there is another interpretation to it is that the the definition of bharata is basically Uh, the places where uh, the kings uh, the bharata king and his uh, descendants ruled so if you look at that way um, it is basically having a geographical connotation as well which uh, like uh, if you like a geographical point of view analysis like me can easily recognize so bharata is uh, actually a certain amount of geography and if you look at uh, bharata Uh, basically uh, it uh, it encompasses uh, the, the the regions uh, like vindhya and uh, any 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 region north of it but mahabharata when when it expand to the mahabharata actually the kavi or the vyasa and uh, the, uh, the all the contributors to the mahabharata is basically saying that it contains everything in the what we call as bharata varsha including kerala pandya chola uh then dasharna uh, or uh, avanti kunti or there, there is a kingdom called anartha many people know no like it is a neighborhood of dwaraka in uh, most of the part of gujarat is now an anartha actually whereas dwaraka is the island region in the west so it encompasses everything kalinga angavanga uh, then uh, in, in fact kalinga all three parts of kalinga today's orissa are covered yeah. all yes. two parts of andhra pradesh are covered Correct. Dravida yeah. is only a smaller state, right, and right. Karnataka is covered as Karnataka and Maharashtra. Correct. And you know, so it's Kishkinda. all Kishkinda. Everything is yeah. separately mentioned. Yeah. Yes. So there is no region in in the in the like uh, current Indian Union or in the Indian state which is not mentioned uh, in Mahabharat. As you said, uh, Kerala is. Uh, Uh, mentioned uh, like if if you if you look at the how it is spanned in mahabharat it is mentioned as kerala then as uh, there is a small kingdom called mushika uh, which is in the northern part of kerala and then it is also mentioning kollagiri uh, yes yeah very uh, very single one single verse uh, of sahadeva's military expression to the south kollagiri is mentioned and that is uh, it's also in tamil literature so it's a cross collaboration is possible 
Karnataka is mentioned as three parts, Mahishaka and Karnataka and then uh, the northern side Kishkinda. So Mahishaka is Mysore, uh, so many people. Andhra is mentioned as Andhraka directly, it is mentioned. Southern part of it is uh, Dravida and then uh, that is southern Andhra and northern uh, Tamil Nadu, it is a Dravida Desha. A very specific distinct Desha is mentioned like that. And then uh, Chola is the, the Kaveri uh, Delta. Just like uh, Kuru is, uh, Kuru Panjala is uh, for, is uh, the, uh, on the Ganga River, the Chola is there for the, uh, like uh, as a kingdom, which is uh, have the cradle on the Kaveri. And to the south, Vaigai, Vaigai River, and in that uh, Pandya is there. So, entire South India is covered, then Goa is Gomantara, and then Maharashtra you have uh, this uh, uh, Konkana Desha, that is to the west of it, and so many Rashtras, and this is something I need to research more, because Beli Rashtram, Navarashtram, uh, then Pansurashtram, Pansurashtram means uh, the Rashtra where the jackfruits are grown, but they are all mentioned as the part of Maharashtra. Yeah. Maybe I, some, I, maybe I, it's very interesting, the word Rashtra, is yes, so yes. often used, not just in, of course, correct, in Rigveda also it is used, but even in Mahabharata, the word Rashtra is quite Rashtra is commonly used. used. Yeah. And you have made one more very interesting point that, you know, while describing the regions, mm -hmm. the characteristics of those regions, not just geographical, but in terms of life is also, you know, yes, discussed. Yeah. Where, yeah. you know, what kind of people, maybe, you know, you can call it as Vyasa's opinion uh, or mm -hmm. a bias. But there mm -hmm. is a description of the nature of life in yes, terms yes. of where trade is, you know, what is happening, you know, which, mm -hmm. what is the community characteristic in a certain mm -hmm. way and yes, how Kurus thought about the other communities or how they yeah, thought yeah. about, even this yeah. life detail is also there in Mahabharata. Yeah, right, right. Uh, the reason I am saying is because Maharashtra, current word, uh, current name for that state, uh, they have used that word Rashtra as a pref uh, suffix of, of, of it. And if you look at it in Mahabharat, you have so many uh, princely Janapadas, uh, so many Janapadas with the, the, the suffix Rashtra. That is what I would say. I mean, to, this is something in area of research, how it is happening. Like because the Navarashtra, Anshurashtra, yes, Mahabali's Rashtra is mentioned in on the banks of Narmada River, actually. Uh, and uh, anyway, that is another thing, how it, how it is associated with Kerala. It is another, I have talked about it. So that um, that is what I, I feel that uh, the the geography is the reason why I'm doing it is because uh, there is a vacuum here. There are not many people who are looking at uh, the ancient Janapadas, uh, and uh, most of them restrict themselves to the 16 Janapadas, uh, which is in the Ganga Yamuna and uh, Saraswati River that belt, that Uttarapada. But that is just the last stage of uh, uh, the, the Mahabharata era that uh, this 16 Janapada uh, kind of concept has come up. But uh, there are 300, I have counted once, 300 to uh, three, between 300 and 400 Janapadas in, uh, mentioned in Mahabharata, spanning the every inch of uh, uh, Bharata Varsha. Even the Assam is mentioned as Lauhitya, Lauhiti. Uh, and uh, the mountainous regions are uh, covered anyway covered by the Aruna Parvada like that. So Arunachal Pradesh, uh, everything is uh, mentioned like that. And Uttar Pradesh definitely it is the it is the heart of uh, Mahabharata and Ramayana. So the entire Uttar Pradesh you have all the kingdoms uh, starting from from the west, uh, Kuru, Panjala, then Kosala, and then uh, then uh, this uh, Mallara is there. And to the south there is uh, Chedi and uh, 
uh, Kashi, uh, and you, you there is also a gap. This is something like if you read Mahabharata and Ramayana, uh, you see some kind of a, a wall, some kind of a wall is there in between Kururashtra and uh, Ayodhya, Kosalarashtra. And uh, I, this is something mystery for me. And then I found that Naimisharanya is there in between. So there are no no direct contact between the great two great two cultures like uh, uh, the Kurus and uh, the Ayodhya, uh, the Kosala Ikshwakus. But there are travel like. Uh, uh, this is also one area of my interest. I corroborate Ramayana and Mahabharata. So in Mahabharata, you make an interesting uh, point. You know that's a mm. very interesting point between mm. Ayodhya and Kuru, if that is so. But mm. Bhishma narrates a story where mm. you know um, there is a king called Vitahavya, mm. and uh, Vitahavya uh, uh, is more in the Kurupanchala region somewhere, a mm. Haihaya king. Hmm. But he goes on attacking, uh, you know, Aryashwa, Pratardhan, Devodasa and Pratar hmm. Pratardhana, who are hmm. fundamentally the Kashi kings. Hmm. And, you know, there is a big conflict that happens between the two. Okay, so, okay. at some stage, there is, you know, this engagement. But, hmm. you know, at a later stage, that engagement seems to be lesser. That's a very fascinating thing. Ah. Yeah, well, let me clarify it. So what I'm saying is, uh, it's not like completely uh, on, uh, no interaction. I'm saying like, if you if you read Ramayana, uh, Rama is uh, marrying from uh, Videha, Videha, Raj, Videha Rajya, that is uh, to the east of uh, Kosala. And uh, another his relationship is with Kashi. Kashi, he has got a friend, brother Dana comes as a friend uh, of Rama in Ramayana. In, uh, he is a king of Kashi. But there is not, nothing, uh, no kind of uh, interaction with any Kuru princess or anything. So that is what I'm uh, basically saying because the name is But it is not completely interaction free because in Rama and maybe it may surprise uh, people that Hastinapura is mentioned. And it is mentioned in the travel of uh, Bharata to Kekaya. Kekaya. So um, the, this, the, the reason I am saying is that. Anyway, we are all uh, into the uh, dharmic point of view, but there are some uh, leftist historians who still think that uh, these are all made of stories. So then Absolutely. you see kind of corroboration, uh, like you a king, uh, a prince from Ayodhya is traveling to the uh, west, and he is uh, passing through Hastinapur. And there is, if it's all made of stories, now there should not it's be any that consistency. Will not be there. Yeah, there should not be any connection. But these are real, real geography. And there is uh, consistency in this, even you yeah. mentioned Pratardhana. Pratardhana mm. is there in Rigveda. And Pratardhana there is there in Pratardhana is arguably an important sheet anchor, you know, for mm. to organize yes. all other kings uh, yeah, in terms right. of uh, hierarchy. Yeah. So there is difference in the way the Pratardhana is uh, detailed in Rigveda. Rigveda it is uh, very, very highly detailed. But um, uh, because maybe there are some kind of blending happened between Rama and Mahabharata. Uh, and uh, the Rigvedic period. So the uh, Pradhardhana is uh, like uh, in uh, Rigved, he is considered as uh, part of the Bharata lineage. Uh, and uh, somehow it is adopted uh, in Ramayana, he is adopted as uh, somehow related to the Ikshvakos. That we can see. I mean, these are all yeah, another yeah, that's right. uh, Second is uh, Yayati is mentioned as ancestor of uh, Vesharatha. Whereas it's clearly mentioned in Mahabharata and Rigved, uh, Yayati is a uh, uh, that lineage is Chandravamsha. So there are some blending happened and uh, in uh, Mahabharata itself, if you see that entire conflict, uh, it's actually retelling, it's a retelling of Rigvedi conflict actually. Whatever happened in Kashi, uh, that uh, 
Duodasa and Pradardana, so that is slightly doing a retelling of it. And uh, finally, the, their descendant end up at Hehaya, which is a little bit far away from uh, Kashi into, into the uh, Narmada River. It's a Mahishmati, Maheshwar currency name. So these are the certain, this is some kind of a knot that has happened, like historical knot, which uh, if you want to unwind, you need to do, do a little more detailed uh, study about it. Uh, some kind of blend, blend that is happening. And it only adds to the, uh, the reality uh, because if you have so much of uh, events happened in such a such an, uh, long period in the past, definitely this kind of uh, kind of blending is what we expect naturally. So this all adding it up to the uh, the geographical uh, integrity as well as the the, the historical uh, events uh, events that has happened. Some events has ensued. You are getting to know about it from a different perspective. From the Ramana narrative, uh, Rigveda narrator, and Mahabharata narrative, there will be expected expected deviations are uh, is what we are seeing. Actually, that's okay. That's perfectly fine. Good. Uh, in fact, what we are coming to is that there are this is the this is one aspect where research needs to be needs to go very yeah, deep. Yes. yes. And to resolve. One is to establish consistency and yeah, the second yeah. is to resolve contradic seeming contradictions. Some of them are yeah, not yeah. contradictions, but yeah. because it's fundamentally a metaphoric account, mm -hmm. you know, accounts are presented not as historical Correct, you know, yeah. pieces, but for, you know, for the purpose of metaphor and philosophy. But mm -hmm. we will have to extract history from this. And yeah. I think that itself calls for a discipline of extraction. It has, I think right, the right. process has only begun now. Because last 70 years, you know, that's not, it's been blocked. Correct, so correct. I think the process has to begin now. Yeah. So uh, some of the naughty things, uh, for example, and uh, probably this, has, this is the one reason because it, it requires a, a structured kind of an analysis is important. Correct. So when people just jump into it, because so many people, have, so many people have asked me like uh, passing after graduation, uh, and after some of my conferences are over, they come and say, they, I want to enter into this research. <laughs> so the, 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 I tell like, okay, you have to have a little patience, like uh, maybe read the, read the, like for example, maybe initially you may be reading only the English translations, but then you start to finally go to the Sanskrit originals and read it. Then only you will get a full clarity. Otherwise, sometimes what happens, you just jump into some information. That's true. That's and this true. is uh, normal. This is part of our generation. Like in Twitter battles, etc. you are saying like, picking up some information and then spending some five, 10 hours on that. So that can happen. Just one example I'll give is Prakjodisha. Uh -huh. Prakjodisha is, uh, if you if you look at uh, the, all the later uh, narrative, all the atheisms, uh, everything, you connect it with Assam. And it is uh, uh, almost to the eastern side of uh, uh, Bharatavarsha. But if you look at all the uh, the the, the kind of events uh, like uh, mentioned related to Prakjodisha, you see it, it's a kind of a city which is somewhere in the west. So why that happened? Like for example, Krishna is uh, actually fighting with uh, the Prakjodisha king, but Dwaraka is into the west. So uh, there is a, that is one thing, and that that starts the kind of, that initially that riddle starts at that point. Now uh, and so many other narratives are there. Like Arjuna is in his expedition, he is first going to Prakjodisha and suddenly he comes up somewhere in the Himachal Pradesh. So you see how he is going immediately to see, for example, Krishna's case, people with him, he traveled in, uh, on the, uh, in something like an airplane, like he is on, on Garuda. 
So maybe you travel from uh, Gujarat to Assam. There may people may be thinking it. So this is the areas in which people new 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 newly new researchers can get into this kind of trap. But then what about Arjuna? Arjuna is not traveling in an airplane. So uh, so that means uh, all the narrative. If you look at uh, Bhagavata narrative, Hayamsha narrative. Uh, Mahabharata narrative where the Arjuna is traveled and Krishna has traveled to Pragyodisha, everything indicated it is somewhere in the uh, western side. Uh, so, one identification I have gone after so much of meticulous research is somewhere in Himachal Pradesh. Because uh, uh, Bhagavata is uh, mentioned as one of the person uh, whom Arjuna has fought and finally they made peace and suddenly he is moving into Kulinda. Kulinda is in, in uh, Himachal Pradesh. So it's in the uh, wherever that uh, mountains, uh, Himalayan mountains, uh, just join the uh, Kurukshetra plain. That is where Kulinda is. Even Rama and Bharata moves, Bharata travel. Kulinda is located in that, that area. So if you look at all the connections, uh, Prakjodisha is in the uh, somewhere in the like uh, north of Delhi and uh, towards towards westish. It is always westish. And finally, I can't uh, look at Rama and here it clearly mentioned that it is in the west. Because in the uh, in that uh, Sugriva's uh, uh, description, Sugriva yeah, describes for one of us in four direction, and Pragdhadisha come in the western side. So there is no confusion. So what happened is uh, there was a lot of uh, migrations happened. Like which is a migration that uh, resulted in Stalaburanas. So from the Himachal Pradesh, uh, Kashmir Himachal Pradesh regions, the Naga community. They have been migrated to the east, 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 east. Finally, their current destination, current settlement area is uh, in the northeastern states. So, uh, all the north, the, the Nagaland, Mishwaram, uh, Tripura, uh, Naga, this Arunachal Pradesh, Assam, all these, their roots are in uh, like somewhere into the uh, like uh, uh, Himachal, uh, then Kashmir, and some people are from Orissa also because Arjuna's. Uh, uh, wife, Mani, uh, that is Chitrangada. Chitrangada. Uh, very clearly, the entire narrative say that he entered into Kalinga and then he goes to Manipura. So Manipura is considered as a city inside Kalinga. If you recall and read in Mahabharata original uh, Sanskrit version, you can see. But where is Manipur? Manipur is in northeast. So then <laughs> I think they names have, have, uh, they have migrated. shifted. I think yeah, migration they, would have taken names uh, and would have uh, shifted names. I think that. Correct. That, that so, possibility we cannot deny. I think yeah. that's so an important. Manipur, I, yeah, right. So that uh, descendants, all the they are they have some Naga connection because uh, Krishna, uh, Arjuna's two wives are Nagas actually. Uh, Ulupi, who is a Airavata uh, Naga princess, uh, and uh, Chitrangada is uh, not mentioned as Naga, but you can uh, read the Mahabharata. There is very lot of connection between Ulupi and the Chitrangada. Ulupi and Chitrangada. They met together. They, they live together. Correct. All this yeah. is happened. So they have the Manipura city is a like a, even now there is a port city in uh, in Kalinga. Uh, archaeological excavated the Manipura is excavated in Kalinga port as a port city. So that entire marine uh, civilization, that entire uh, people have migrated to the Manipur. And you see, if you look at the dance also, you can very clearly, it is similar to the Odia dance. If you look at the, the Manipuri uh, dance uh, forms, all, all, the, all the culture, it's all very close ties with Odisha. That's interesting. So that, that, that opens up an area of uh, you know, yeah, civilizational yes. studies and migration and other things. Correct. So let's shift our attention a little bit from the East 
to the west, which is quite fascinating in Mahabharata. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And the north and the northwest, the Bahlika region, the Gandhara mm -hmm. region, you know, mm -hmm. where the Madra region, the northern Kashmir and the Uttarakuru regions. Mm -hmm. So it's a significant description of life in that mm. area that yeah, comes yeah. in Mahabharata, which yeah. is kind of somewhat totally uh, forgotten yeah. today. You know, uh -huh. in, in we don't even talk about that. You know, the culture of Uttarakurus, what mm. Pandu explains. Uh, you know, Kunti mm -hmm. you know, as a very open uh, society, and mm. so on and so forth. And you have done a lot of research, and you have also written about. Uh, you know. The Gandhara, Gandharva, mm -hmm. and the you know Bahlika regions, mm -hmm. and you've also written about certain conflicts. I cannot say that I fully agree with it, but it's quite fascinating. You know, mm -hmm. I want to understand. You know, our, our viewers should know. You know what 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 are those fundamental elements of life mm -hmm. description over there, uh -huh. and what are those conflicts mm -hmm. that you see there. Yeah, so culturally, like uh, if Mahabharata and Ramayana or uh, Veda, all the four Vedas are just like, like like a window to the same same time period, because I have seen many people like saying that Mahabharata era or Rigveda era like that. Even I have uh, initially thought like that, but I have changed my mind. So everything is a window to the almost the same time period. Uh, maybe Rigveda a little bit older. Uh, it has gone a little bit older. It, it is a window to a little more uh, the older period. Uh, but Mahabharata, uh, the window is overlapping with the Vedic period. Ramayana window is overlapping with Mahabharata and uh, uh, Vedic uh, windows. So there are overlaps. So uh, that is first thing I need to uh, say to the people who are listening. Second is the culturally, it's a very diverse culture. So Kuru, the Kuru is like a kind of a standard for everybody. Like uh, for example, if you look at uh, uh, Srikant Talagiri, who is a very close uh, like. Uh, mentor and colleague for me. Uh, he has mentioned the entire Rigveda is actually a result of uh, the, the the sages associated with Kuru region. Bharata's Kuru means it's a little more specialized yeah. of Bharata's. Bharata. So, Bharata. Uh, they are all Bharata's or the affiliates to the Bharata. Uh, if you look at all the Vishamitra, Vasishta, everybody uh, actually authored uh, or uh, uh, that entire Vidyavedic corpus coming from the that Bharata or uh, kind of. Um, and Bharata means both Parkuru and Panchala are Bharatas. So that is the kind of, they are the setter, the trend setters basically. If currently, if you look at the USA, how they are setting the culture, how they are defining, uh, that is a similar kind of a dominance or cultural dominance Kuru is having. And uh, Panchalas are actually uh, kind of a, uh, means another uh, version of the Kuru. They have their own uh, priests and uh, Purohitas and all. So with these both two nations, Kuru and Panchala, they define the culture. And now you have to the west of it, they are, they, they are actually descendant uh, of the same, uh, like uh, the Kuru Panchalas, they, in the, in the, their forefathers are same. But they have uh, defined a kind of culture in which Things are a little bit different. Kuru Panchala Chaturvarnya is very strictly followed. So uh, that there are certain rules like uh, the, the Brahman Kshatriya, if you have a ch child born, he becomes a Sutta. Like uh, if it is a Brahmana woman and marrying a Kshatriya male, the son is uh, born as Sutta. Uh, and uh, it, uh, it is, they have a certain uh, kind of uh, roles to play. Uh, like uh, driving chariots or becoming uh, assistant to kings or, and or singing 
in praise to the Sutta Puranika, Ugrishava Sauti. Yeah. All the Puranic accounts are there in their domain. They they actually manage, they actually had uh, maintained those Puranic accounts or uh, the advice to king. All these things happen. Like and similarly, there, there are certain rules, very strict rules, except so that this is primarily followed in Kuru and Panchala region. And what happens is that to the west, what happens, they don't mind, they don't actually care this. Like uh, uh, the Gandharas, uh, KKAs, or Madra. So these three kingdoms primarily called Bahlika. Bahlika is a separate kingdom also is there. Like for example, the Shantanu's uh, brother, who Bahlika basically it also means went outside. Bahlika means going the person who has went outside. So there is a certain geography associated with the Bharatas that is uh, around Saras uh, ending at Saraswati in the west and Ganga in the east. That is the Bharata domain. So anybody going outside, they are Bahlika. So that is why uh, the one of the brother goes outside of Saraswati to the west. He is called Bahlika. That is the meaning. But that Bahlika meaning is applied to anybody who has gone outside. So the outside means to the west. So again, the out of India theory is proved already because of this. Uh, and so the Gandharas, KKAs, and Madras, um, they are all following this particular uh, liberal or uh, liberal uh, uh, Vedic culture so never they in there the nobody becomes a sutta there actually so that is their tradition so culturally there is some kind of liberalism that is happening in that western region and uh, other things are like uh, the this all this is completely revealed in the conversation between shalya and karma very interesting i think you may be noting that because yeah, yeah. It's a very this, kind this, of even thing. even in the conversation between um Bhishma and uh, uh, Shalya, when oh, Bhishma yeah. goes to seek uh, Madri's hand. Correct, correct. So cultural differences, very, very clearly. I have uh, mentioned, written an article in uh, Wikipedia on that. I don't know whether it is damaged or not. But I, I have uh, some read that. ancient voice, you may be read, read that. So culturally, the uh, that Varna Vyavastha, uh, the, that uh, secondary children that they are not following, like Suta or uh, Magatha or Magatha is also one uh, the Varna Sangara basically. So they, they, are, they are not following. So that, this is why the, the Karna got triggered because he, he is the king of Anga. Uh, and uh, the, the eastern side, I will talk about the eastern side. So uh, what happened? Like sometimes what happened, these children who was actually born um, by, because of intermarriage of the Brahmana Kshatriyas, uh, they moved to the east. So the, the Magadha is a similar kind of uh, intermarriage uh, uh, children. They go move to the east and that is how Madha, Magadha, uh, that Janabata that uh, is formed. Their original, their, uh, their, uh, they were doing uh, primarily, uh, uh, what do you call, uh, singing in praise of the king. But they, they themselves become king in Magadha. Uh, and Anga is similarly the kingdom of Sutas. All the Sutas. Uh, in fact, Sutas have a lot of kingdoms. The, the Mahabharata describes many kingdoms yeah. where the kings were Sutas. Yeah. So primarily, Angadesha is actually meant for the Suta rulers. And uh, this is another thing I have questioned the, the, all the leftist liberals who say who consider Duryodhana as a liberal. So Bhima said, <laughs> like, you, Bhima, that, Bhima, Bhima was straightforward. He's innocent and straightforward. He, he has. Uh, Questioned uh, uh, the Karna, why? How can you fight with Arjun? You are a Suta. That is straightforward. What Duryodhana is a very shrewd man. He said, 
uh, no, no, I am uh, very. I am. I am. just pretending to be very liberal and say that I am appointing Karna as a uh, king of king Anga. Of Anga. Basically, he is saying he is Suta. Yeah. Basically, Duryodhana is just saying the same thing like what Bhima has said. But he is on the contrary. Uh, on the contrary, you know, Madhuradesha uh, being right. of a different culture and right. Nakulahasa Deva being uh, yes. children of from from a Madhra relationship. Yeah, yes. In the Pandava segment, there is, you know, hardly a differentiation between correct, them yeah. and so the Pandavas, <clears throat> Correct, exactly. Uh, like Yudhishthira means he has a very clear understanding about it. When he, uh, somebody uh, like uh, I think uh, Nahusha asked who is a Brahmana, he said that anybody who is having the knowledge of Brahman, he is Brahman. So he is very straightforward in that. So it is not based on uh, like uh, birth. It is basically based on uh, your qualities. Guna karmas and again he Yudhishthira is very uh, close to Krishna's uh, the varna uh, that uh, definition chaturvarnya maya system guna karma vibhagasha like that it is based on guna and karma like that he is mentioned Yudhishthira is also uh, like before the Bhagavad Gita passage comes in the Bhishma Parva you get the same passage in Vana Parva where there is a conversation between Nahusha in the form of a Naga. Conversing with the Yudhishthira conversation. <clears throat> so basically, Yaksha Prashna is more famous, but this is not so famous. That's a beautiful conversation. Yeah, so this conversation is also highly philosophical in nature and uh, explains, explains the, the kind of uh, uh, it's basically an interview of Yudhishthira. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's almost like Nahusha is imparting knowledge to yeah, Yudhishthira. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. beautiful. So he is basically a liberal. If you if you use the current words, like Yudhishthira is a liberal uh, in that uh, in that sense. Uh, whereas um, uh, this again, I think I diverted to the eastern side. But Bahlika said this is the kind of cultural differences. One of them is uh, the Varnavyavastha. There is a high flexibility. So Karna is accusing. Uh, one person is uh, born as a Brahmin and then next day he is a Kshatriya. Next day he becomes Vaishya and then third day, fourth day he becomes Shudra. Again he becomes Brahmin. So he is uh, because he is completely inducted into the uh, Guru orthodoxy. Uh, I, I left this thing that, uh, yeah. you know, Karna is wrong. So ironical that, you know. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, can I pause one because I think I not switched on the charge. So I'll just uh, yeah yeah please do just just pause uh, sometime. Yeah please. I think. Okay, now it's yeah. yeah. So uh, one is that uh, liberal in the in the in the terms of uh, varna. Second is uh, that marriage custom that you rightly pointed out uh, for uh, marrying Madri. Uh, they uh, like uh, we uh, Bishma has to pay uh, the Tanya uh, Shulka. That is good. Yeah, yeah, here there are two interesting points. First is Bhishma knows the cultural difference, but he goes yeah. to yes, Madhya yes. for some good reason. Right. Second, when when this when the when the difference occurs, he honorably hmm. respects 
Starts, comes back and goes back. You know, so yeah. I think there is there is something that Bhishma sees that you know he wants to cross that uh, line. Yeah, actually, the one reason why the uh, people like kings are interested in marrying from Madhya Pradesh is because uh, this Western, see, uh, that is, I always go with the, the align with the Talgaris. Uh, uh, that uh, correct. Uh, so these uh, these this particular um, uh, the Western kingdoms, they are actually in a, uh, like for example in uh, Indo 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 European culture. If you look at, they are slowly uh, turning into Europeans. Uh, the whoever is migrating to the west so culturally they look uh, more like europeans and uh, if you go further west uh, like uh, all this uh, this cambodia cambodia is also one of the Bhatliga kingdom so matra kekeya uh, gandhara cambodia four kingdoms are mentioned as Bhatlikas. so the cambodias uh, and uh, the kuru they uh, it is the all the Iranian kings like Xerxes uh, and uh, Cyrus, they are all descendant of Cambojas and Kurus. Uh, Kuru, Cyrus means Kuru, and one of his uh, forefathers is Cambyses, uh, Cambodia. So they they use the surnames Cambodia and Kuru and interchangeability. This is very remember, consistent uh, with what Srikant Talageri, Talageri is, uh, you know, uh, yeah. has, has registered. It's a most fascinating account. Correct. People should read it actually. And finally, once uh, so that Iran, when they reach the Iran, they already have the Indo-European trades. And uh, finally, they uh, the same group of people goes to the uh, European, uh, and you get all the European kind of uh, diversified into the uh, king, uh, the countries in Europe. And uh, so maybe like uh, the uh, our Indian uh, our the Bharatiya kings consider it's a it's a kind of controversial. Consider this uh, Gandhara, Gandhara and uh, Madhra princesses very beautiful because of white skin, probably. <laughs> so that is why there is interest in marrying from there. Like if you if you look at uh, Ramani, it will be very clear. Why is Dasharada so much interested in Kaiki? It, the relationship is not similar to uh, other uh, wives like uh, Kausalya or Sumitra. Kausalya is basically a Kausala native, and Sumitra is from Kashi. That is what is learned, but. Kaike has got special treatment. She is from KK Desha. And uh, we understand Dasharada was completely uh, addicted to the beauty of uh, Kaike. And that is why you know, this, uh, all this he become, uh, uh, he could not uh, uh, become, uh, means, uh, 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 means uh, uh, he, he just deviated from Dharma. Similarly, uh, in Ram, uh, Mahabharata, very small passages are there. How uh, Pandu was a little bit infatuated with Madri. Uh, you can see, like when in Vanvas, it is mentioned like that. But uh, this uh, KKA, Gandhara, and the people also exploit uh, exploit uh, the princess of uh, uh, Kuru, Pandu, Kuru or Kosala princess. Uh, I mean, all the kings, they exploit by trying to you know, see their intelligence. Instead of the intelligence, they just project their beauty and trying to control the. Uh, the politi politics that is that is happening that is that's, a, that's an interpretation i think yeah. you know uh, um, guys like me who read it very metaphorically we will have a, a different oh, yes. view uh, in the whole right. thing yeah, so yes. but but it's it, it's interesting that there is so much of detail on the life mm, that yes, is yes. Uh, described uh, in those regions yeah right since yeah, we are and, on the west i now yeah. will yeah Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, uh, actually, uh, what I mean is that 
if you look at all these kingdoms currently in Pakistan has tried to control uh, Hastinapura or Ayodhya. That's what I'm saying in a single line. That's I'm saying nice. right. Gandha, uh, Shakuni Gandhari was fortunately a straightforward lady, but uh, her brother Shakuni was completely trying to control the politics of Hastinapur. And in uh, Ramayan, uh, the Ayodhya, the, the, that was a seat of power at that time. Instead of uh, Hastinapur, Hastinapur was uh, just a small town there. Uh, but Ayodhya was very powerful at that time. That was the, the KK, uh, the Kaike was trying to control that. And if not Kaikei, but then uh, her Dasi, uh, Mandhara. Basically, they have a control kind of an attitude. And I think right now, you think, look at now. <laughs> yeah, so in they, hindsight, uh, it looks like that, Jijit. But, you know, in a yeah, yes. metaphoric account, correct, correct. Uh, we will have to limit the amount of civilizational conclusions that uh, we will... Yeah, I, I know, I'm not actually, it's only a coincidence, I would say. I will not yeah. project it like, no, just uh, to say that all the... Uh, because we need to reclaim them back. The Pakistanis uh, are bad. No, no, I don't not say that. Maybe in future, and it, maybe today, it looks uh, very, uh, means uh, unreasonable and uh, pipe dream. But within some 20, 30 years, we need to reclaim the entire uh, that brothers who are in the other side of the border and to our culture. <laughs> because there is no culture in the whatever currently they are following, there is no culture. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. At the minimum, they need to know their past very well. Yeah, yes, you know, yes. That itself should be the first good step. Yeah, right. Since we are on the West, I will come to one of the most important things that, at mm. least in the Indic civilizational circle, everybody knows, but the larger mm. country does not know yet. And that is the research on the river Saraswati, mm. which is which matches the description of the description of Saraswati in Balarama Tirtha Yatra, mm -hmm. you know, and Shalya Parva's Balarama Tirtha Yatra, for some mm. reason, you know, it contains so many, it's a long passage, Balarama explains, mm -hmm. and I'm forever thankful to Vyasa for, you know, putting that chapter, because now it is conclusively proven that mm. the Paleo Channel through, which is unearthed through ISRO studies and the you know satellite images, mm -hmm. perfectly matches with what Balrama explains. Mm -hmm. And Saraswati is no more a you know mythical river; it's a real river, mm -hmm. and it also pushes the date of the entire civilization to beyond 1500 BC, older than that, because Saraswati dried in the year uh, by by 1800. So, at the minimum, Vedic civilization mm. goes before 1820. Ah, yeah. yeah, I think you are you, nudging me into the chronology part of it. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, uh, I have, uh, uh, so what, one of the things is that primarily I would say is, uh, the researchers who are actually studying Saraswati, mostly they look into the Rigveda. But Rigveda is not the largest uh, narrative about Saraswati. And I was continuously always say to the every researcher, that if you want to know Saraswati, you have to go into Mahabharata, where it uh, around uh, more than the, the 18 chapters of Bhagavad Gita, three times that, uh, I think 36 or more chapters are dedicated to Saraswati River. You don't, uh, so this is the largest narrative of Saraswati is in Mahabharata. And uh, in that uh, narrative, uh, very clearly uh, it shows that the uh, the the west the southern part of Saraswati was flowing somehow still flowing northern part was flowing in the middle it was dried up and it that very clearly with so much see, 36 or more chapters I think 42 I did not exactly remember 
but that many number of chapters means huge information you are getting including what are the plants growing in each of the part of the saraswati where it has dried up like uh, it is mentioning vinashana it has dried up and it's again reappearing at uh, uh, chamasodbeda yeah. so that is basically the word uh, means that udbheda means uh, like uh, like no, the you, the ground is split and water is coming out so basically it is a spring so uh, what happens is that saraswati got dried up in vinashana so since i cannot show map right now uh it, it may be not a pro, uh, correct right i need to search and write it long but uh, maybe uh, if i map is it very clear but i'll say somewhere in the north of rajasthan vinashana that saraswati dried up and then the carrier panio the channels were uh, shown as a dried channel and uh, balrama is clearly passing through the dried channel and using it as a road so very clearly you can actually understand from that narrative so uh, two things are here the largest uh, information about saraswati is in uh, mahabharatis uh, uh, balrama tirtha yatra is uh, like around 40 42 uh, chapters so any researcher of saraswati has to look at that second is uh, since you mentioned about chronology uh, i am saying that uh, it shows that uh, mahabharata that uh, events happened after the dry up of the saraswati partial dry up of saraswati the only difference between current saraswati versus uh, uh balrama uh, notice saraswati is that the river had a southern uh, resurgence like somewhere close to the flow, flow like uh, merging with the sea it is re reappearing and it start uh, like flowing at least uh, some 100 kilometers it was flowing uh, in the sindh uh, in the current day sindh it is it was flowing and uh, this is not currently available so that is the only difference but the middle part dry up is are there right time when balrama was living so what it means is that uh, like chronologically if you look at then if you try to connect the mahabharata dating with uh, this particular information so middle part dried up kind of a situation then um, uh, the date uh, the, the, the the best dates are actually uh, somewhere between the the 1500 bc to uh, 2000 bc is the best date because the dry up started uh, somewhere around uh, 1800 bc and but, but, uh, this is going to think that the current research says that the dry up was almost complete by 1800 bc uh, no dry up means uh, because uh, see uh, again there is a kind of a, uh, the word dry up is actually not an exact uh, statement right uh, so uh, one is that when you say dry up see even today also saraswati is not dried up because it has got a flow in haryana so when you say dry up it is a kind of a relative term how much you consider it as a dried up so um, uh, that is the one reason i support uh, any kurukshetra vaade uh, from from 3200 bc to uh, 1100 bc i am giving my support uh, because uh, actually uh, in the chronology debate i am actually put as a mediator so i i look at uh, different dates of uh, different researches Uh, like uh, starting with narhariyachar and then manish pandit uh, vedavir arya and then um, moha this uh, ashok bhatnagar uh, and then uh, ramamurthy and then the dietary coach date is somewhere around 1100 bc it's a low, lower date and uh, the bb lal professor bb lal who has unearthed uh, the uh, because we need to give much weightage to him he has unearthed uh, the all the historical site related to mahabharata and ramayana like uh, this uh, hastinapur uh, he and his team uh, like uh, hastinapur and then singiverpur ayodhya uh, then uh, chitrakoot 
and uh, Kaushambi. This uh, these all uh, like uh, excavated by Bibilal. And uh, his own uh, team members like Kain Dikshit, yes, Anand Hichatra, Kampilya, then Indra Prast uh, and uh, Hastinapur, all these uh, other places also honored. So he and his team has given a solid uh, uh, archaeological backing for our uh, Idhyasas and uh, ensured that it is no longer discussed as a mythology. So that is the kind of contribution he is uh, providing. And he has written a book where he has given his, uh, his own reasons why he considered uh, the Kurukshetra war occurred in uh, 1824 uh, BC. Sorry, uh, 824 BC. It's a very, uh, very low date, but he is uh, like based on uh, the the like uh, river uh, the, the Ganga River flowed over or the flood flooded the Hastinapur, and uh, the king uh, that is uh, uh, Nichakshu has uh, moved the capital from Hastinapur to Kaushambi, and he was able to see the archaeological records. Uh, which shows that uh, the 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 entire uh, the built up the archaeology is just uh, it, till uh, till around 850 BC it was uh, developing suddenly it stopped and then again uh, the, uh, the this uh, construction started in Kaushambi so that is why he is saying that 850 BC but uh, recently what I understood from um, uh, people close to him is that he is ready to change uh, because of that date. Because uh, the, uh, the, this particular continuity is a very, very clear signature, he has found it, but still, uh, because uh, the painted graver culture, you know, which uh, he was relying on, it is now extending to, extending to 1300 BC, etc. And second is, yeah. it is well, sir, that is actually the limitation of the archaeology evidence, uh, because archaeology yeah. evidence always says that, you know, latest it is this, but it, okay, there okay. is always a farther date that is possible. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I will come to that. I'll come, yeah. I'll come to that. Actually, the, the thing is, uh, see, the, typically the archaeoastronomers uh, who basically uh, come with uh, Mahabharata date, primarily based on the, the, the literature analysis and corroborating the nakshatra, the nakshatra positions with uh, the planet computed, uh, it's a computer software, computed uh, positions in yeah, the uh, planetary software. So they, they have, uh, because everything is pattern matching. So that's for example, that's uh, uh, this uh, Bibilal is done is also pattern matching. Because but, he has got information in the archaeology, uh, in the literature that the Chakshu changed uh, the, the capital from Astinapur. And he got a pattern matching in the archaeology that uh, the record stopped uh, at 850 BC in Astinapur. Record uh, again started uh, at the same time the building started const getting constructed at Kaushambi. Uh, so he is corroborated. The same kind of pattern matching the archaeoastronomers are also doing. So which pattern matching you completely believe? So that is a question. Because the, one is the pattern matching in the uh, earth, uh, that is uh, Thara. Another one is happening in the sky. So I always say maintain this. But if you have a very solid kind of a Mahabharata date, Gauss and Thara should match. match. They should be agreeing more or less. They are the two eternal witnesses of all events in happened in earth we say agni is a sakshi agni is a sakshi similarly uh that is uh, the sky is a witness to all the events happened in the earth and earth itself uh, is a witness to all the events so in case of mahabharata dating dyaus and dhara has to match so the kind currently of dyao uh, is leading the show uh, yeah, yeah now dyaus is leading the show and uh, there is a mistress because uh, actually i'm since i'm in this community with uh, uh, almost equal number of archaeologists and uh, archaeoastronomers are my friend. 
<laughs> so I'm always in between uh, these discussions and um, uh, I, I have to like, uh, I always try to say that like, because there is a mistrust. So the archaeoastronomers say that I cannot trust the archaeology and archaeologists say that I cannot trust archaeoastronomers because the thing is, there's archaeology, uh, they require the, wish, uh, the actual records and uh, from point of view, so many people say that, okay, from our karmic uh, side, we are not so materialistic. So why to look at the, mater the material evidence? This, this is like your, this is your belief. And it goes for, for a sraddha and bhakti and uh, uh, faith-based kind of uh, point of view, it will accept. But if you want to get the acceptance in the broader scientific community, when you say there is a date 556 and 556 BC Mahabharata occurred, you have nothing to show at that time. Like uh, no chariots uh, is there excavated at that time. Or um, even a question about uh, the Sanskrit language at 556 BC is uh, doubtful. And um, uh, so many, like uh, your, uh, the, the number of years, like uh, the Puranic kings, you know, if, you, if you look at the Puranas, they will also talk about uh, uh, Magadha kings, like well-known Magadha kings, which is uh, historically uh, like uh, dated kings, like Mahapatmananda is also mentioned in the Puranas. So Mahapatmananda's contemporary is Kshemaka. Kshemaka is the 30th descent of Yudhishthira. So you have connections actually. No, so if your Mahabharata date doesn't uh, like uh, uh, support uh, or uh, if it destroys all this connection, then it's of no use. Uh, if say, and that is what I would say. Second is I am uh, archaeoastronomy. I am um, I am not uh, like as I said exactly as I said. I have equal uh, uh, equal support to archaeology and archaeoastronomy. So I am not against archaeoastronomy, but I'm certainly the archaeological astronomical dates which doesn't make big sense because it's too far fetched, uh, too far into the past. That I, I will, uh, basically I will not be able to accept it. As a person who has worked in ISRO for five years, I cannot accept that kind of a shallow kind of a scholarship because you need to have something. So fortunately, even in archaeoastronomy, there are dates which agree with archaeology. That's what I'm saying. There is one said, Bibilal is saying that this whatever 850, 850 date, uh, 835-850 date, uh, BC date, he has mentioned about Mahabharat, based on that oral correlation, can also uh, maybe re-correlated to something like 1500 BC or 2000 BC. That is possible. Yeah, that's true. So that's yeah. possible. But that's why Saraswati uh, is important because now okay. Saraswati has hmm. anchored the date somewhere yes, yes. at least minimum between 1500 to 2000 BC. And it hmm. can be beyond that also because exactly to say when hmm. the river dried up, yeah, it's, it's yes. very, very difficult. When the river was half alive, is very hmm. difficult to say. Yeah, so, yes. So for me, that Saraswati, for me, two things are important. One is Saraswati. Second, second mm. is the unimpeachable astronomical evidences in Mahabharata, like in mm. Shalya Parva. You know, he says, Balrama says, mm. I, you know, it was 42 days and I went in this month and came back in the other mm. month, where the interpretation is, you know, it's not prone to interpretation, where it is explicitly mm. mentioned. I think we yeah. need to extract explicitly mentioned references mm -hmm. in Mahabharata and limit the interpretations to uh, date uh, analysis oh, yes. to explicit uh, Correct, correct. I will, because being an insider of uh, all this chronology analysis, I can tell you, uh, maybe it is not be highly visible to everybody. I will say every uh, Mahabharata date, 
uh, which has come uh, from archaeoastronomy they cannot match uh, every uh, reference in uh, uh, mahabharata see the, the the i think what you have mentioned is like like the, I, in i have in one uh, one of the talk i have explained the entire process of chronology analysis so it starts like this first uh, first of all you see there are 100000 verses uh, in uh, mahabharata currently it is around 84000 is a critical edition you can see 84000 verses out of which the first step is you select uh, all the candidate verses in mahabharata which have something to do with the chronology that is the first step so filtering out the, the verses maybe like arundhati vasishta uh, uh, the verse describing arundhati vasishta and uh, there is a verse describing uh, the position of vishaka nakshatra there, there are uh, verses describing uh, the position of uh, guru brihaspati with respect to uh, na various nakshatras so the positions of planets with respect to nakshatras they are all candidate all they select all of them so you will help, you will get some uh, around uh, some 200 to 300 verses which actually can be used for chronological analysis which is either talking about uh, some nakshatra or some comet or some graha uh, at this point that point etc and all this uh, uh, nakshatra this because this is not narrated by vyas uh, or some other uh, person uh, uh, which uh, like uh, at, a, at a particular time in the uh, mahabharata events for example when the start of the kurukshetra war then what are the positions of nakshatras i mean uh, what are the positions of grahas with respect to nakshatras or when krishna started peace mission what are the positions so everything is mentioned and uh, then you start to try to corroborate it so the total number of days between the events also is uh, actually calculatable so that uh, the total number of days between uh, kurukshetra start of uh, kurukshetra war and the bhishma nirvana then how many days elapsed between krishna's peace mission and uh, the start of the war and there are two eclipses mentioned in uh, mahabharat what are the dates uh, what is um, how much days are elapsed between 13 days is what the text mentioned but 13 days is um, uh, like uh, mathematically not possible actually so it is like a fraction like 13.5 13.7 like that so this is what so there is not a single researcher who has matched everything 100% every, every somewhere they make an assumption somewhere they make an excuse so for example nileshok the entire uh, this, uh, the balrama's pilgrimage is not properly corroborated you can uh, like there was a discussion between ok and manish pandit you can go through that discussion so that entire area is rejected i mean not proper attention is given to it so similarly different researchers they uh, they will pick up whichever is brighter for them uh, for their i'm quite fascinated with dr pandit's research yeah, yes yes you know where where the astronomical references referred are you know uh, mm -hmm. kind of uh, more realistic uh, yeah yes yes yeah. to me what is also interesting is it matches with the you know uh, ravikirti's uh, inscription of mm. uh, pulikeshi era ah, right. where that shloka clearly you know gives a date which matches with uh, you know dr pandit's uh, reference but of course you yeah. have a different opinion on that yeah see i have uh, i have supporting uh, like uh, the dates as i said 3200 bc to uh, 1100 bc 110 they are all candidates for uh, mahabharat so bibilal's date i am actually uh, i have full respect for this but he, he 850, 850 is actually out of the out of habitable zone because of one reason by the time 850 BC, uh, the entire warfare shifted from chariot-based to uh, horse-back-based. So 1000 BC onwards, now you cannot win, win any war uh, on uh, chariots. 
people can really easily destroy your chariot. That's so right. the chariot was dominant somewhere around 1500 BC and uh, 2000 BC. Uh, if you have a very good chariot, you can win the war. That kind of situation existed between 2000 to uh, 1500 BC. I am talking from technology point of view because mm -hmm. uh, basically from that uh, technology background. So this is very clear to me. Like uh, how the chariot now, how we, how can we make a lightweight chariot? How much uh, no, the spoked wheel, spoked wheel chariot can how much it actually give an advantage, a competitive advantage to you? All these things are very clearly uh, any any technology, any engineer can actually go and find out. So there is no debate in this area. So that is why I'm very happy that Bibilal uh, has uh, maybe uh, up, updated his date from 850 to uh, uh, somewhere in the range of uh, uh, 1000 to 2000 BC. He has not, a, uh, there was no conference where he can speak and actually, because he was a little bit ill health now. So not not a publicly announced it, but that is what I understood. Uh, so the, if so, what, what, is, what is, means that you have uh, between 1000 BC to 2000 BC, uh, there is a uh, like uh, the whatever that uh, na, the the most sought out agreement between Diaus and Dara. Dara is agreeing, Diaus is agreeing between 1000 to 2000 BC. But we consider because uh, uh, because of the nature of archaeology, we consider uh, a kind of a, uh, extension up to 3200 BC because archaeology can unearth anything in few, uh, in the ground uh, and uh, bring up some more sites. So that is why we are giving a kind of a, a buffer of uh, 1200 years more, saying that 3200 BC to 1000 BC, we, any date can be a good candidate for Mahabharata date. That is what current 2020 we can tell. And uh, I am saying it as a scientist because there is no absolute truth like uh, scientists will tell. It's all subject to what is the evidence coming in every, like if, if 2020, this is what I can say. Yeah. That's true. So I, I think I think as in the next 10 years, the study of astronomical evidences in Mahabharata will significantly improve mm. and the discipline mm. will evolve. The discipline is you know, only now people mm. are beginning to read because, you know, although, you know, in the colonial era, mm. Scottish mathematicians have seen in, in Vedic, when Veda's descriptions, astronomical descriptions that are far deep into 2000 mm. and then questioned, yeah. you know, the dates of 1200 BC and all that. But somehow mm -hmm. in the last hundred years, that has gotten, that, is, that has been sidelined. Mm -hmm. And the astronomy evidence in Mahabharata, I think mm -hmm. that is important for the viewers that Mahabharata is not just full of kingdoms and descriptions and, you know, so on mm -hmm. and uh, so forth, life. But mm -hmm. the sky, like, like you said, Dhara and, and life on Dhara, how much it mm -hmm. is described. The Dhyav is equally described in Mahabharata. Yes, and, yes. you know, we will begin to understand that uh, more and more. I think, mm -hmm. Jijit, uh, you know, we're past our time. Okay. So, uh, this is a beautiful conversation. Mahabharata will never end. For me, you know, Mahabharata is like my uh, breath. I, mean, I, I uh, think in terms of Mahabharata and we will all will definitely have an opportunity to discuss these things uh, uh, a lot more, uh, you know, one of these days. You know, in fact, in my notes that I made out, you know, there are so many points that I uh, noted down from your research, which I could not even uh, touch. Okay. And, you know, we will have, in fact, you know, uh, discussions on, you know, the Ayla, Puru and the Bharata, Bharata Kuru. lineages. Huh. Mm -hmm. You know, you have a totally different view from the metaphoric accounts that we mm -hmm. have. And that, that mm -hmm. would have been a fascinating thing. Some other time, uh, you know, we should uh, discuss that. And your interpretations of 
who bhishma was and mm-hmm. and and do that's uh, they are fascinating to me because you know i'm fundamentally a metaphor guy and will not try mm-hmm. to look at it uh, you know from uh, whether it is a realistically realistically possible possible uh, kind mm-hmm. of analysis I don't mm-hmm. but but they are very very interesting and these directions of studies are also extremely important because yeah. end of the day it is civilizational philosophy and civilizational history both are uh, you know mm-hmm. together in mahabharata yeah yes so uh, one way of uh, actually i am currently into the creating schools textbooks and that kind of discussions i have a lot of going on so I, I used i am saying that see mahabharata is about all the subjects that you are Uh, your child is going to learn because it is geography it is uh, history it is uh, philosophy it is literature uh, uh, mathematics also there in that yeah. astronomy is there uh, chemistry is there inside inside that and then uh, uh, very rare very rare kind of uh, traditional subjects uh, like uh, uh, swadhyaya uh, and all over it's a basis of our tradition entire tradition and one important remark i have mentioned is that if you are entire uh, now uh, you enter civilization by proud or if you want to create a bhartiya civilization mars in planet mars because i am into that that area also you can go take mahabharata with you if you are colonizing another planet or even our entire earth got completely wiped out after 1000 years you are again restarting the civilization if you have mahabharata you can recreate bharata varsha it even it's a beautiful <laughs> metaphor it's yeah. a beautiful way of uh, you know yeah. uh, describing the importance of mahabharata yeah. for yeah. our society yes absolutely so jijit i think um, uh, i I've, i've read your work i watched your videos but uh, you know get again to uh, indulge in this conversation was a great experience and uh, i think we will have as i said we will have we should have a lot more opportunity to uh, talk to each other i look forward to that and uh, uh, i uh, you know as as one of the indian civilization enthusiast i thank you for the kind of research that you have done i i hope that this kind of um, influences and inspires the next generation to undertake uh, such studies uh, in future and i'm sure this conversation also contains enough clues for uh, the enthusiasts uh, to take forward uh, this uh, civilizational study uh, thank you so much for being with me uh, on this uh, conversation and uh, wish you all the best in your uh, mahabharata voyage you know i would like to say thank you namaste namaste dhanyawad dhanyawad